0: Mobile business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash from Bloomberg World Headquarters. I'm Charlie Pellett. Stocks mix. 13 minutes to go ahead of the close on this Wednesday. The Dow and S&P lower. Nasdaq is higher. Oil slumping. Brent crude below 45 dollars a barrel. First time that has happened since November. Now at 44.81, down 2.6 percent. West Texas Intermediate crude 42.55 a barrel, down 2.2 percent. Gold up 3.50 the ounce to 12.47, up three tenths of one percent. The 10-year yield, 2.16%. Equities mix, NASDAQ up 45, up 7 tenths of 1%. S&P down a point, down one tenth of 1%. Dow Industrials down 57, a drop there of 3 tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie. Well, this uh, portion of Bloomberg Markets is brought to you by BlackRock. Word about market volatility, minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors Prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. We
1: want to talk a little bit about the markets in particular. Uh, Doug Sioka back with us, uh, CEO, partner at Kever. Caval- Capital Partners, managing more than half a billion dollars in assets based in Leawood, Kansas, back in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Nice to have you back with us. Great
2: to be here. Thank you.
1: We were just saying how fast the year is going. Yes. (laughs) Whizzing by. Um, You still like investing in what what some call the sin sector of the equity market.
2: We have. I mean, to to sort of cushion the title, we've uh, come to describing them as self-indulgent consumer staples.
1: Come on. Tobacco, Mm -hmm. alcohol. Yes. Yes. Researching these names alone is good fun.
2: (laughs) If you're looking for a new research analyst, just... You know, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Market research He doesn't need
1: anything that's not, you know, <laughs> organic or... I would imagine
2: he has to fit in on San Francisco. Exactly.
1: Um... Why is that? You know, it's funny. I looked at a couple of different things. I was looking at, um uh, like, the tobacco sector. Uh, it's done, I don't know, up 180% since the end of 2008 versus about 170% move higher for the S&P 500, up 5% so far this year. But it's, it's just people still smoke. They still drink. People do still
2: smoke and drink. And, and I think that that type of behavior is inherently predictable, certainly more predictable than that of looking at charts and trying to understand markets and, uh, monetary policy and the like, and I think right now in tobacco in particular, you're at the stage of the cycle where it is ripe for consolidation, right? Anytime historically there had been threats to their existence, uh, they more than overcame them because they had the deeper, deep, deep enough pockets to make modification to the business model. So years ago it was, well, geez, Marlboros can't compete with Basics. Well, guess what? Altria and Marlboro and Basics. And then we can't compete with smokeless tobacco, so U.S. tobacco was sold to Altria, so now they had rolled up Copenhagen and Marlboros. And then they think about down the line, right, a lot of people are certain, and I'm certainly one of them, that in the not too distant future, we're going to have legalized not just medicinal, but recreational marijuana across the country. And right. certainly tobacco companies are uniquely placed from the standpoint of production and distribution and farming and allocation of acreage. And so they have been able over the course of decades to reinvent themselves that has allowed their business and their profit model, a lot of which is comprised of high dividend and free cash flow to be sustained.
1: Well, it's interesting too. And I think about all those big, you know, the big lawsuits, right? Way back when, how many years ago, 20 something, ago? 1996. It was the master. Sum and we of be kind of maybe the end of the tobacco industry, and
2: it wasn't. It It wasn't. In fact, it was probably the the poster child for economic critical codependency between industry and government because all these 46 states that were party to that master settlement agreement then went out, and what they did is they sold revenue anticipation notes. Mm -hmm. So they knew they had these these, uh, payments coming from the liability to the states. So in advance of that revenue being recognized, the states went and sold bonds, so they knew that the government, federal, partnered to that. Uh, proposition, couldn't put them out of business. Right. So I don't know how much a pack of cigarettes is in, in New York City right now, but I guarantee you 75% of that price is going to different taxing entities that are all taking their little bite of the apple or their puff on the cigarette.
0: It's
1: kind of brilliant. Well, I mean,
0: let's get back to the marijuana thesis here, right? So, and I'm not, not because I'm in San Francisco where it's, it's more legal in other places, um, but it's not fully legal here in, in any uh, conceivable way. There are requirements around... You know, I don't know. About, you have to have some kind of medical card or something else. The distribution is, is very cl- closely regulated in tax, and and it's a business that has super high margins still. So you can understand the business rationale for a, a big cigarette maker to come in and do that. But they haven't been able to do that in any way. And it, when you're making an investment, you know, I, I can't imagine the scenario you're describing happening in the next 20 years. So how do you make an investment based on that? You know, tell me. You can tell me my timeframes are wrong. I'd love it if you would, but. You know, how do you make an investment based on that possibility?
2: I don't, oh, I, I don't think you do, Corey. I, th- I was using that more as a hypothetical that different challenges to their industry existence and its perpetuation, their ability to innovate and grow market share and, and maintain that cash generating capability that they possess. I, I think that the one in, in a, the one impediment right now with marijuana, of course, is it's not federally legal. So you could put into any uh, different types of speculation, different business plan components, but until you can actually run product through your bank that's federally chartered, that you know right. that could be the the, the, the uh, without the bank having a, a, a too much assets in one
0: uh, territory or one right. one business unit, which the FDIC hates, and also not having it
2: completely stripped of its title, which is with this administration is a worry. You bet. Absolutely. So, I, I don't want to say that the, the cigarette company is dependent upon the legalization of marijuana because I don't think that's the case. Right. I actually think what's happening now, and Reynolds American is one of the the, the, the largest soon to be non collaboratively owned. Uh, tobacco companies, but they're going to be property of British uh, British American tobacco. So that deal is going to close sometime this year. It just seems to me that the sector is right for that kind of consolidation because when you think about where we are just in general, if you're looking internationally for steady growth but but pretty low inflation, if you're thinking about this globally synchronized monetary policy tightening that's going to be implemented in a pretty delicate fashion, you're going to have to find companies that have the ability to address the consumer tastes and not just what they're buying, but how they're buying it, right. and I think that's what we 're seeing in this stage of the economy. The consumer, whether it's staples or discretionary, is still going to be in charge
1: What do you make of this market environment
2: yeah i think it's I think it's pretty uh, pretty fascinating i think right the The market has been uh, loathed really since its bottom eight and a half years ago, right, and so many people looked at what had propped the market up, whether it was low interest rates, whether it was just speculative buying just coming off of the sixty percent decline, uh, whether it was now of late the, the the new Trump trade that's in infusing some sense of optimism and animal spirits that everyone talks about. Right, I think what's happening despite all of those headlines of negativity that are probably not sustainable is an actual increase in earnings. And we saw the point of the cycle where we are in the, the steepest part of the recovery curve and maybe that low hanging fruit has already been picked. But now we're in the financial engineering piece. Now we're in the, the re-determination, uh, re-understanding of how money is going to be spent in this economy. I look what happened with Amazon and Nike this morning and to me it's saying innovation is afoot. We need to make sure that we're not just thinking about old-school types of business models and their valuation, but how the ne- how the changing economy is really going to be addressed. How
1: does that shape, then, your investment decisions?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So we, we've broadened out from just more of a domestically-focused equity orientation to weaving in something in the, with a more of an international component to it as well. Mm. We think with the tightening that's taking place around the world in developed economies, there are a lot of economies that are not participating that are still at that stimulative point that really do offer higher expected returns. So Europe. Europe, absolutely, and, and and even some of the periphery Europe, and and even some of the issues of the fallout for Brexit, and even some of the interesting things that people are talking about with uh, with Spain and with with Scott with Scotland and whatever emancipation propositions that they may pro- that they may actually represent. So yeah, we think those are very very interesting areas right now. Um, and again, so when you try to imagine these things, you're looking for sort of dividend growth or
0: free cash flow growth sometime in the next couple of years. Yes, sir. Answer. That's (laughs) my man. (laughs) We are. I I think it's, it's
2: difficult, right, at this point of the cycle to anticipate and incorporate much in the way of multiple expansion, right? So, in absence of multiple expansion, just get about
1: 20 seconds.
2: You just want to make sure you're buying specific opportunities and not broad markets. And I think if you can stick to the quantitative underpinnings, if you're expected return in less qualitative, you're going to have a lot less disappointment moving forward in the next two to three years.
1: Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Doug Sioka, Chief Executive Officer Partner at Kaver Capital Partners, roughly $600 million in assets under management, based in Leewood, Kansas in our Bloomberg 1130
2: studio on this Wednesday. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio.